Wow, thanks, Sam. He said, like, a month ago, like, you know how I'm going to introduce you? Man, I'm going to say, like, the worst possible, like, <laughs> whatever I can find. But, yeah, that was good. Thanks, Sam. So, hello, KU. What's up? How you guys doing? Can you guys throw me up a KU sign? What up, what up? I've always wanted to do this, and no one ever complies. So, yes, uh, thank you. Um, oh, thank you. Okay, yeah, thanks for that intro. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know me, my name is Jaehee, and I'm one of the staff here. And it's actually also my first semester here at KU, like many of you. Um, but I am not new to Emmaus, but I just do want to say that KU is very special. I think even after having been at Yonsei for like three and a half years, being here, um, there's such an intimacy and I have such a freshness that um, really got me so excited at the beginning of the semester. So it's really my honor and privilege to be up here today. It is my first time preaching ever in my life, and I'm so excited and honored. So yeah, thank you, God. Um, yeah, so today I actually want to do a reality check. Are you guys familiar with reality checks? Like reality check, you know? So, uh, so what does that mean? It means like, hey, pause for a moment. Let's see what's really going on. What's really going on here? Okay, so I want you to follow me right now. Reality check. L look at your neighbor and say reality check. Reality check. Okay, it's about to go down, okay? All right. So, um, you know, after we've been doing the Christian thing for a while, you know, we had just had an awesome retreat. How many of you guys were there? Yeah, come on. It was pretty awesome. Okay, all right. Okay, well, it was pretty awesome. I know you guys are still feeling it, you know, deep down. Um, but, you know, after we've been doing the Christian thing for a while, it can kind of become a routine. You know, we can kind of get into this routine and um, just go through the motions. Mm -hmm, yes. Okay, Johnny's very familiar with this. And, and honestly, yeah, so am I, you know. For people who grew up in the church, and even for those, you know, um, you know, like we're so on fire at one point, but then after a while, it's like you just know exactly what to do. We kind of become like robots. And, you know, we come out to every large group like this. And, you know, praise God, we're, like, in this amazing facility now. Um, but, you know, we come out to every large group, every prayer meeting, every familia, every Sunday service. And those are all great things. But then, you know, in those environments, especially when it's, like, you know, great music, like, Johnny is blasting, like, his guitar. And, like, you know, he's ushering us into God's presence. And, you know, people next to you are praying loud. And, you know, people are praying in tongues. And, you know, there's, like, that environment, right? And it catches on, you know, you get excited. But then the moment you're out of that environment, when you're in your own room, you know, when you're back in your house, maybe there's some, you know, problematic roommates or family members or, you know, when, when things aren't like all happy and wonderful. And then you kind of, you know, you kind of like, it's, it's like quiet. It's all by yourself. And you're like, hold up. Like, how am I really doing? How's my faith really doing? What do I actually believe? You know? That's really when, um, you know, we can detect our true condition of how our faith is really doing. So how is your faith really doing today? Take a moment to think about it. Okay, so today's passage actually comes from Hebrews 11.6. If you can take out your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Or take out your phones, whatever you might have. Okay? And it's just one verse, so we're going to read it together. At the count of three. One, two, three. 
And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This is from the NIV. Um, I guess a lot of you guys have the ESV. That's fine, too. Yeah, so I I just want to give you a background of this book of Hebrews. Um, It's always good to know the context of what we're reading. So um, the book of Hebrews, you guys already know it's in the New Testament. And it's actually an an epistle or a letter. It was written to the Hebrews. And it is often referred to as a masterpiece because it's very eloquently written compared to any other book in the New Testament. Um, It's like a logical argument, right? And um, the author is actually unknown, but theologians think it was either Barnabas or Paul. So either author, bomb, right? But anyway, um, so but he lays out the superiority of Jesus Christ above angels, you know, above any other religion. And he lays that out in a very logical argument, eloquently, which is why it's often called a masterpiece. And uh, it was written to Jewish converts. So, you know, Jewish converts, they knew the Old Testament. And, um, but uh, this uh, letter was actually written to encourage them because this was a time when these um, Jewish converts were facing intense persecution. And so, um, you know, so this author is writing to them to persevere in the faith, to, to persevere in faith, you know, in the face of persecution, even when it's hard to persevere in faith because they were actually contemplating going back to Judaism. It was that hard. Um, so, you know, this book is written for believers to persevere in faith. You know, that's many of you in this room, myself. But it's actually written to anybody who's wondering, why should I follow Jesus? So this book is really written to any one of you in here. So, um, but, you know, today's passage in particular, we're looking at chapter 11. And chapter 11 in the book of Hebrews is famous. It's particularly well known because... It's known as the Faith Hall of Fame. Faith Hall of Fame. You guys like Hall of Fame, right? You know, you guys want to be there one day, right? But this is pretty, this is pretty awesome. It's the Faith Hall of Fame. So this whole chapter, again, it's um, encouragements to persevere in faith. And if you look in this passage, um, you know, it lists a whole bunch of heroes in faith, right? You know, if you look there, like you'll see, who do you see there? You guys are all looking at me. I don't have your Bibles, I guess. Okay. Um, but there's a whole bunch of people there. But, you know, um, you know, for example, Enoch. So Enoch was um, a character in the Bible in the Old Testament, and he was literally swept off the face of the earth. They couldn't find him. They couldn't find his body. And it says that um, God took him off the face of the earth because he was so pleased with him. And um, then there's Noah. Everyone knows Noah's Ark, right? Even if you didn't grow up in the church, everybody knows Noah's Ark. And Noah... People think he's crazy because he built Noah's ark. He built this huge ark um, when everyone else thought he was crazy. So he was, you know, building this thing. He was saying, I'm hearing directly from God. I'm going to build this. And everyone around him is like, man, you're crazy. You're wasting your time. What a fool. But in the face of all that ridicule, he built this ark. And God commended him for that. So there's no one. There's also, of course, Abraham. He's actually known as the father of faith. And he obeyed God. And he was... Uh, when he was told to leave everything behind and go to this promised land. Um, And so this is just to name a few of them. There's like a whole bunch of them. You guys can definitely read that on your own. But all of these people were commended for living by faith. So I want to ask you guys, you know, just a very sober question. Like, why why are you here today? Like, I'm very glad you are here. But really, why am I here tonight? 
why do I come here every large group? Why do I come out to every familia? Like, why am I really here? Um, I believe that deep inside, it's because every one of us in here, we want to please God. We want to live a life that's pleasing to God. And, you know, living a life to please other people, to please, you know, your parents, to please your friends, to please, you know, yourselves even, it gets old and it gets tiring, doesn't it? But I really believe that deep inside, we have such a deep desire to live a life that's pleasing to God. So, okay, here are my three points. So, number one, uh, so, you know, we're talking about faith, but what is faith? Okay, so we're going to look at what actually is faith. So, the definition of faith according to Hebrews 11.1, 1, you guys can turn there. Um, in the ESV, it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. In the NIV, it says, now faith is the confidence of Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That's in the NIV. I think both versions are powerful. But, you know, you see, like, these very um, key, strong words used here, right? You see assurance, conviction, confidence. You know, don't we we just love these kind of words? I do. So, yeah, so actually, so I looked up these words, right, on dictionary.com. I I, I like their um, definition compared to, like, you know, Webster and all that. But, uh, yeah, so confidence means a full trust, belief in the powers, trustworthiness, or reliability of a person or a thing. Okay? And assurance is full confidence, freedom from doubt, freedom from timidity, certainty. Conviction is a fixed or firm belief. So as you can see, all of these terms, when it comes down to it, it boils down to trust. So faith is not blind faith or simply just intellectual understanding, but it's actually like holding on to something. It's, uh, it's a willingness to cling on to something. All right? Okay, so okay, now that we've talked about faith and trust, so the next question is trust in what? Believe in what? Believe in who? So let's, let's go back to the main verse, uh, Hebrews eleven six. So it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So number two is believe that he exists. Believe that he exists. So yeah, when we talk about faith and when we talk about trust, we need to know what we're actually putting our trust in. What are we actually putting our faith in? Because the truth is, your faith is only as good as the object of your faith. I'll say that again. Your faith is only as good as the object of your faith. You got to know what you're putting your faith in. So think about someone in your life that you really trust, right? Think about why you trust them. Think about what kind of things you would trust them with. Like, would you trust them with your bank account? Would you trust them with your Facebook password? Oh, heck no. <laughs> yeah, think about, yeah, so think about that, right? Would you, would you trust them, basically, with your life? Okay? And then, on the flip side, think about someone who is really unreliable. You know, we all have, like, you know, we know at least, like, acquaintances or someone. Like, you really would not, you know, entrust them with certain things, right? And, right, yes. By the way, you guys are welcome to be, uh, you know, respond and interact and, you know? It's, it's, uh, it's actually really encouraging now that I'm up here. Mm, yes, Okay. All right, so 
Yes. So who is the object of your faith? Is it people? Is it money? Is it yourself? Man, some people are so self-reliant. You know, it's like they don't need nobody. Um, I don't think I was ever like that. But I've met people like that. I'm like, wow, that's actually like admirable to an extent. But that's like really exhausting still because you can't, you're always relying on yourself, right? But where was I? Right, but here in Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. So in other words, anyone who approaches him, anyone who seeks him must believe that he exists. And it's talking about who is this he? It's talking about God. So do you believe that God exists? <laughs> amen, amen. Okay, well, I know that's for some of you. You're actually new to Christianity. You know, you're new to this whole faith thing. You know, you're just exploring, you're discovering, and you're curious, and you come out, you know? You want to hear more about this God who we always talk about. And that is awesome. I think there's nothing more exciting than people who are uh, exploring God for the first time, you know, exploring on their own. That's amazing. But, you know, here in this passage, it's so clear. It says, but, you know, when you seek him, you must believe he's there. You must believe that he's listening to you. You must believe that he sees you. But how can you believe in something that you've never experienced? How can you believe in something you can't see? You know, I know for some of you, you have experienced God. But for others of you, yeah, maybe you've been going to church for a long time, but you still haven't really experienced him or tasted him. So how are you supposed to believe? Well, I believe the key is actually in Hebrews 11, 2. Verse 2. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. That's in the ESV. For by it, the people uh, received their commendation. So repeat after me. The people of old. The people of old. So that's not talking about like literally like old people, like, you know, grandpas with hair and, you know, gray hair. I mean, I'm sure most of them were actually pretty old. But, um, but yeah, like this means elders, like people who have gone before us, our ancestors in faith. So um, these people, like, they were commended by their faith. By it, that's talking about their faith. They were commended by, for their faith. Um, and it's really cool because, you know, they weren't commended for their amazing works. They, were, they weren't commended for their skills, you know, their epic, like, drumming skills or, you know, whatever, how they saved a whole nation. But it was actually simply for their faith. And so the good news is, guys, that there are people, like, a lot of them who have been there and done that. They've already walked this out. They've already had faith. We're not the first people that were called to carry this faith. But there are others, like that whole chapter, it's listing all these people who have gone before us and have that faith. And they did some amazing things by that faith. So that's, that's an encouragement to us. All right? We have a rich history um, with those who have walked by faith. And in Hebrews 12, 1, uh, if you guys could turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Read it with me. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is before us. So um, who, who was here when Pastor John came to preach a couple weeks ago? Yeah, he actually preached um, on this verse, and he was talking about, you know, the race of faith. And so, you know, again, 
great cloud of witnesses. Do you guys remember him talking about that? This great cloud of witnesses is, again, is talking about the elders, the ancients who've gone before us. And they're actually, um, so the, the author of Hebrews, he's painting this picture. Like, just imagine right now, like, you're at the Olympics, right? And then, you know, these, um, like, old people. <laughs> they're actually probably not old now because they have, like, you know, new bodies, you know, resurrected. But, you know, just imagine, like, these champions, right? And they're, like, cheering us on. Like, go, Hugo, you can do it. Like, you can do it, you know? Go, Sirachstyle, like, you got this, you know? Um, and, and they're cheering us on, you know, cheering us on to walk out, to run this race of faith. And, you know, the crazy thing is all of these great women and men of God, they came from very different backgrounds. You know, they came from, like, all over the world. Uh, they came from, you know, different backgrounds. And also they had different personalities. But they had that one thing in common, which was their faith. And it was for that that they're commended for in this whole chapter and we're still reading about it today and uh, faith is actually also a commodity so um, it's often said that faith is the currency of heaven Um, it's what moves the heavens so when you think about currency what do you think about money 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 right so what does money do in our society why do you like money makes the what Makes the world go around, yeah. I mean, okay, it, it makes the world go around. But I was thinking more like, yeah, it makes the economy go around, right? It makes the economy function. You know, you can buy things, right? But in the same way, our faith, it's the currency of heaven. What does that mean? It actually moves the heavens. So when we pray in faith, when we actually lift up our prayers of faith, it moves the heavens. And things begin to shift and things begin to move. That's what, that's what faith does. So we're actually, so we got to give something, um, you know, we've got to give something to God to work with, right? And um, the only thing he's required is faith. Your faith can move mountains. It says, like Jesus said that. Your faith can move mountains. And simply, all that's required is faith. Okay, so going back to Hebrews 11. So if you look all the way down, like you, you know, look through that whole list. Uh, if you look at verse 32, I'm going to read that for us. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barack, Obama, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weaknesses was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies." Did you guys just read that? That's some crazy stuff. So the author is essentially saying, look, I don't even have time to go through the rest of the people. Like everybody else who did amazing things by faith. And uh, one person in particular that I want to focus on is Gideon. Okay, so uh, who's heard of Gideon? Okay, some of you. All right. So, yeah, Gideon, um, it's actually a story from um, the book of Judges in the Old Testament. You don't have to flip there, but just listen to my story. So, Gideon was a wimp. Everybody say wimp. He was a wimp. And, um, yeah, so to give you a background of Judges 6, so what's going on is that, um, you know, Gideon was an Israelite, and all the Israelites had, uh, they had finally entered the promised land. You know, we always talk about the promised land, the, the land flowing with milk and honey. And so the Israelites finally entered. And 
once they entered, they settled down and they started getting comfortable and then they forgot that they were the chosen people. And they forgot uh, about, you know, the things God told them, you know, to the commands to keep. And they fell into sin. They messed up. They gave into idolatry. And so God actually allowed them to um, be attacked by the Midianites. And so when Gideon is introduced here, he's actually, do you guys know the story? He's actually found in a wine press, right? He's in a wine press and uh, he's threshing wheat. Do you guys know what that is, like threshing wheat? That's actually when you're like separating wheat so you can like get the, the actual grains like from the straw. So they're separating that. And he, but he was doing that in a wine press. You guys know what a wine press is? It's, it's like this, uh, it's a device. Uh-huh, it presses down. It, uh, it crushes grapes to literally squeeze the juice out to make wine. Oh, I'm talking about wine and all you guys are like, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so that's what it is. And, uh, but the funny thing is, why was Gideon doing that in a wine press? So in ancient times, like during his time, the wine press was literally like um, underground. So it's like, uh, it's like a pit in the ground. And um, he was threshing wheat there. And you are not supposed to thresh wheat in a wine press because like all the traffic flies away, right? As you're like you're separating that. And so you're supposed to do it in open space and the traffic is supposed to fly away. Like the wind is supposed to, um, to blow it away. But Gideon was actually hiding because he was so afraid of the Midianites. So he was hiding and he was like, you know, doing his um, threshing of the wheat like in this like tiny space in a wine press. And it's actually there that the angel of the Lord comes and says, and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. He says that to Gideon. And actually, ironically, the name Gideon actually means mighty warrior. And so he's, pr- he's probably thinking like, huh? Like, I thought it was only me in here. Like, who else is here? Like, who's he talking to? But the angel of the Lord was talking to Gideon. And so Gideon, he, he doesn't believe what the Lord says about him, Right? And so uh, what happens is that, um, but, you know, but Gideon recognizes that this, is, um, this is the Lord. And so, like, um, he, he, like, makes a meal for him and all this. But long story short, basically, Gideon has a really hard time believing God and how God calls him mighty warrior, man of valor. And he actually goes on to test God multiple times. If you read this passage, it's actually really annoying. Like, God will say, you know, the angel of the Lord, like, says certain things, and then he's like, oh, well, pardon me, my Lord. Like, oh, pardon me, my Lord. He says it, like, five times. And I was, I was like, so annoyed. He's like, can you just shut up already? But, but honestly, can't we relate? Aren't we like that a lot of times? God calls us. He looks at you, and he gives you identity. He calls you mighty. But we're like, me? Are you sure? And that's what Gideon does. But after a series of literally testing God three times, and this is that famous story of where he, you know, lays out that fleece, and the fleece, like, he's like, God, like, his um, requests are so intricate. Like, hey, I'm going to put my fleece out here. Can you make it, like, wet all around except there? And then after that, it's like, vice versa, can you do it again? Um, but after doing that, man, uh, he, Gideon, although he was slow to believe, he finally believes. And he actually gets out there. He goes out, right? Because the, the, God commanded him, right? He said, go in the strength. Or go in the might you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? And, 
uh, it's like similar to like what Moses experienced. Like Moses was also called by God, but like he was always like, I'm so inadequate. Like I can't do this. You know, like you know, I stutter. I, I'm you know, I can't speak. Um, so it's very similar, right? And so Gideon is also like he's commissioned to go out and to save Israel. And he finally does. And guess what? He does it with 300 men. It's so crazy if you think about it. Not that I know a whole lot about like war and things like that, but man, like 300 men. Uh, so this was like a, a miracle, but it all started with Gideon finally believing what the Lord said about him. Gideon, your name means mighty warrior. Gideon, mighty man of valor, go and save your people. So, you know, I, earlier I was talking to those of you who are new to the faith, but I feel like majority of you guys are actually not new to the faith. You guys have been going out to church for a while. You guys are kind of used to this. You guys know about all this. Um, and so, like, you know, um, this whole point about uh, believe that he exists, it's kind of like a no-brainer. It's like, duh, of course I believe that he exists. But do you really? Oh, why then does it sound like sometimes your prayers are just so dead? You know, why is it that our prayers, it's like we're praying to a wall? Why is it that, you know, um, there's no excitement there? You know, like, especially for things that we've been um, contending for, like, a long time, you know, um, whether it's your family members, you know, whether it's, you know, healing, you know, whether it's salvation, uh, whether it's, you know, I, there's all sorts of things. But, you know, like things that you've been praying for a long time and now it's just like, I just say it, it's like, it's like routine. You just, the words just come out, but you don't even know what you're saying anymore. You know, why do we sound like a broken record? Like, do you really believe that God sees you? That he hears you? And he's actually glad to be with you. So, um, yeah, so this is very familiar to me. So a couple years ago, um, I, I had this wake-up call. I was like, oh, snap. Like, I, I forgot what exactly triggered it, but I remember, like, I was like, oh, snap. How come my prayers are, like, how come when I pray in public, and shoot, when I pray in public and I pray for other people, like, I'm, like, all fiery. I'm like, yeah, like, yeah, let me, yeah I can believe, let me contend, you know. But then, like, in my personal prayer closet, like, when I'm at home praying by myself, it's like, where did the faith go? Like, it really hit me one day. And I was like, oh, my. I was actually scared. I was like, shoot, am I Christian? Like, wow. You know, and um, there was a real reality check there. And I realized, man, like, my prayer language, like, there was no faith there. And so, starting from that day, I actually made a conscious decision to change the way I pray. You know, to pray the way that I actually pray when I'm, like, you know, with you guys or you know, the, the way I would pray for, like, my friends, you know. And I, so I started, you know, like, declaring things. I'd be like, Lord, I thank you for this. And I declare that, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, those were forms of prayer that I had already learned, but I hadn't applied it to my own personal life. And so I realized, dang, like, a after I started doing that, I mean, honestly, in the beginning, it was kind of awkward. I was like, oh, what's going on? Like, why am I starting to, like, you know, have my own joint prayer meeting in my own room and, you know, like, what's going on? But after a while, like, it uh, became normal. And uh, what happened was it actually l started to shift the way that I saw things, you know? So your, you know, the confession of your mouth, like, the, the faith that is released when you actually start speaking that language of faith, man, it shifts your perspective. And then it starts taking your, you know, prayer to another level, even when you're praying for other people. Yeah, so, um, you know, so, okay, so now we, you know, we, we get it, right? You know, it's all about genuine faith, and, 
you know, confidence, what we do not see and all that. But how do we get there? You know? Well, there's actually an incentive, and it's in this verse. Um, so point number three is expect reward. Expect reward. So it says in uh, Hebrews 11:6 that God rewards those who seek him. In the NIV, it says God rewards those who earnestly seek him. The key word here is earnestly. So God is not interested in um, lukewarm faith. He's not interested in, uh, you know, half faith-filled prayers. He's not interested in, uh, you know, just fake stuff. God is, God is into the real stuff. He already sees right through us anyway, you know. And also, I just want to say that weak faith is not fake faith. Weak faith is still faith. That was like Gideon. He was just weak in his faith. But God really, um, he strengthened him. So, okay, so this word earnestly, um, it actually comes from Jeremiah 29, 13. There's a cross-reference there. And it's one of my um, favorite passages. And it says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So seeking earnestly, it means simply just seeking with all your heart. You know, none of this, like, half-hearted, like, oh, maybe, like, today. Oh, maybe just a little bit tomorrow. No, wholehearted. God's looking for whether you're all in. Uh, it means going all in, not leaving any room for doubt and fear. Uh, it means focusing all your energy on pursuing God. And that's what God considers faith. Um, you know, it's easy to fall into this lukewarm state. You know, like I was saying earlier, like when we're in this kind of environment, like when we're, especially like, you know, when all the Emmaus campuses gather together, like at the retreat, man, it's like, uh, it's like all our passions and like energy combined together. It's like, it makes it easier. And actually that's, that's also great. It's such a celebration, but you know, when, when those people are not around you, you know, like when you don't have anyone else's passion to ride on, when you're by yourself, like for some of you, you're going back home after the semester and every semester, yeah, we have people who go back home, and some of them, like, they automatically whine, and they cry about, like, man, we're not going to have Emmaus anymore. Like, we're not going to have, like, you know, New Philly and, like, all this stuff. But the thing is, it's the people who go back, and they've actually genuinely tapped into that place of, like, man, it's earnestly seeking him, only him. And they continue, they continue to th thrive. Let me find my page here. Yeah. So yeah, you know, in your classrooms, in your dorms, when you're the moment you leave this place, the moment you leave your familia, the moment you leave that, you know, one-on-one -on -one time, like your heart-to-heart -heart connecting, like you know, with your CD or you know, with your familia leader, and they're they're telling you the truth, and you know, like you feel so good about yourself, like yeah, I got this. But then it's like yeah, when you leave, it's like dang, why is it so hard? You know, you got to stay in that place of faith, right? But, see, here's a secret. So if you look further down this verse, you know, like, so the sub-point to this point of, you know, um, expect reward is he is our reward. So the funny thing is when God says um, he, he will reward those who seek him earnestly, um, we immediately assume that this means, like, answered prayers, like, breakthroughs, um, miracles, like, all that, all that good stuff. But what happens, actually, is that the more we pursue God with all our hearts, 
the more we fall in love with him. And that's just how it works because that's who God is. So when we seek him earnestly with all our hearts, we fall in love with him more and we desire him more. And we begin to enter into deeper levels of fellowship with God, intimacy with God like never before. And we begin to really see and taste his goodness. Um, in Hebrews 12, 2, it says, Run the race marked out um, for, wait, run the race marked out, uh, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. And, uh, you know, so all this stuff I'm preaching, it's, it's stuff that, man, God has, uh, like, convicted me of. Stuff that God's been like, Jehi, like, hey, you know, and he's taking me kind of through this journey. And, man, last year, uh, so every year I have a personal, like, theme verse. And last year it was Psalm 37.4. So you guys know this verse, Psalm 37.4. Um, everyone loves this verse. Like, how can you not love it? Because it's um, delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. It's like, woohoo, like who wouldn't like this verse? Because like the, when you read it, you're like, oh man, like he's going to answer every prayer. He's going to like, you know, give me all the desires I've ever had in my heart, you know? And um, so, you know, I had to make sure that this verse got confirmed, you know, it wasn't just like something that I wanted for myself. And so beginning of last year, um, you know, there was like a couple of sermons that went out and they were like all like talking about this verse and it was giving me a lot more revelation of like what God is really talking about here and I was like okay so I'm gonna claim this as my verse for this year and so you know I was like meditating on this verse and um I yeah I really claimed it for the whole year and one particular area I was praying into um all of last year was my future you know how many of you guys are interested in breakthrough for your future can I see a raise of hands if you don't raise your hand, you're a liar. Okay. <laughs> but, I mean, but basically, yeah, all of us, like, regardless of, you know, where we're from, regardless of our t um, temperaments, whatever, like, we're interested in our futures. And, you know, for me, like, I've long graduated from college. Uh, I graduate, uh, graduated from college in 2009, so it's been a couple years. Like, I know some of you are like, dude, that's when I graduated from high school. Like, okay, whatever, you know, good for you. Um, but, you know, like, I've been out of school for a while, and, uh, I mean, like, yeah, God's been so faithful. Like, he's really taking me on this ride and this journey and building me up, establishing me, all that. But, you know, like, last year, I, I was in that place where I was like, dang, I think I really got to contend. I got to contend. God, I don't know what I want to do with my life. God, I don't know, like, what, you know, what path you're calling me to. And I started to, like, kind of get into that, that, that mode. And, um, and what happened was December hit. It's like the year was almost over. And then I still had no breakthrough. I had no word, no, like, you know, um, clarity about what I was going to do in the future. And I remember one night, I was just like, man, I felt so hopeless. So it was pretty late at night. I was pretty exhausted. But I went home and I got on my knees because I was so desperate. And I was so frustrated. And I was like, Lord. <laughs> like, I don't even know what I said. But, uh. It'd be embarrassing anyway. But I just remember, I think I probably said something like, man, God, like, I've been delighting in you all year, or at least trying to. And, you know, like, I've been, like, holding on to this verse, and I've been praying into my future. Like, there's no clarity, no breakthrough. I'm like, ha, ah, God, you know. And I was having a little, you know, you know, a little party by myself. And, um, but then, like, in that, like, right there, like, as I was, like, just feeling so frustrated and hopeless, right there, like, the still small whisper came. And it said, Jehi, the deepest desires of your heart is to seek me with everything you have. And I was like, what? Like, I just knew right there and then that that was the voice of the Lord because that's not me. 
because that's not how I think. And this whole thing about like intimacy with God and all that, I talk about it now, but honestly, like it's still something I'm growing into. You know, even up until like last year, year um, year or two ago, like man, I was just beginning to like you know talk about it and just beginning to like um, desire it and pursue it. But here, God was saying, "Jehi, I've already given it to you. I'm revealing it now. The deep desires of your heart is to pursue me with all that you are, with all that you have." I was like, snap. And then, you know, like, when you get a revelation like that, you can't just, like, yeah, 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 you should, like, reflect and all that. But I think it's also, like, you know, I mean, I'm kind of, like, an external processor, too. And so, like, the more I was talking about it, it became clear that I was like, duh, of course God had to do it in that order. Like, you know, before, yeah, you know, revealing things about my calling, my destiny, future, whatever, he had to really establish me in that truth first. That no matter what, no matter what kind of breakthrough comes in the future, it's really about, him be my number one desire him being my number one pursuit and so in that sense man i'm i already got it i'm already there <laughs> you know yeah like yeah of course i'm still contending about you know the next steps and you know what i want to do but man that's what comes first and that's what god really showed me end of last year okay so we've talked about faith okay so now we know what faith is okay and what was point number two Believe that he exists. Okay, so now we believe that he exists, hopefully. Okay, and number three, he's a reward. He's our reward, okay? So now that we know all this, now we know all this, but then how do we actually get there? How do we actually apply this to our lives? You know, how do we go from just going through the motions, you know, saying all the right things, um, to really being in that place of genuine hunger and faith? So number one is repent. Can everybody say repent? Repent. Uh, there is no secret formula. There is no trick. There is no method or strategy. But it's really just a matter of re- repentance. Because faith is supernatural. Faith isn't something that you know we just like muster out of our mere human willpower. But faith is supernatural. And our faith is in a supernatural God. And therefore, we've got to invite the Spirit of God. Only God can lead us into that place of repentance. And so we got to repent. And repenting uh, doesn't simply mean just saying, God, I'm sorry. I'll never do it again. I used to do that all the time. Like, God, I'm so sorry. I did it again. God, I'm so sorry. I think that was the majority of my prayers. But, um, yeah, but, yeah, through the wise and sound teachings of uh, my pastors, I learned that, yeah, true repentance is not just saying you're sorry, but it's literally a position of the heart and the mind. So you're literally from here. This is your old way of thinking. Your old way of, um, you know, your, 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 th- uh, your thinking. And turning around to a new way of thinking. And that's the renewal of the mind. And it, it must be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's literally turning from unbelief to belief. Okay. And my second point is actually, it's actually the, the driving point of this whole message. And uh, it's uh, the, actually the title of my message. And it is, Fake It Till You Believe It. Fake it till you believe it. All right? Can everyone repeat after me? Fake it till you believe it. Till you believe it. Yeah, so someone, I'll point it out over here. Yeah, isn't it like fake it till you make it? 
Yeah, yeah, that sounds really familiar, doesn't it? But, you know, as believers, uh, it's not a matter of making it anymore. You've actually already made it. You know, we're saved. You know, uh, Christ has already bought our lives at a price. Um, we've been redeemed. Like, we've been set free. That's the truth. No matter what you're going through, no matter how you feel, that's always going to be the greater truth. So as believers, it's not a matter of actually, uh, you know, making it now. It's actually a matter of believing it. Because, yeah, like, yeah, like, I think I know it. But, like, do you really believe it? And do you see the breakthroughs in your life, you know, daily? Um, yeah, and, you know, honestly, like, when you're discouraged and when things aren't, like, all, you know, balloons and, like, you know, rainbows and stuff like you feel uh you know when discouragements come it's real like you 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 just feel like man i just can't i just really can't believe it right now i just don't feel it i can't feel it um you know and we so easily fall into apathy or despair or just hopelessness um but especially for areas we've been struggling in for a long time you know for some of you you guys have believed in some lies your whole life that now you can no longer distinguish the lie from the truth like you just think like that is just me That's just who I was my whole life. But the truth is, no, the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. The father of lies, it says in the Bible. And so, so number one, again, you have to repent of that. And then there's a step. Like, you got to fake it till you actually believe it. And what that means, uh, in a nutshell, I, I feel like some of you are looking at me like, oh my gosh, like, is that even biblical? Like, how can you take us, you know, tell us to be like fakers? Um, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying, okay? Uh, what I'm saying is that, man, there are some steps you got to take when it comes to the transformation of your mind. It's a daily choice you have to make. You know, it's not like, yeah, it's like, you know, some of you, like, get powerfully hit encounters with the Holy Spirit. Like, you get, you know, struck by the fire and just can't move for hours. You know, all that. And for some people, yeah, there are some, like, um, lifelong battles that they had, they've had, like, even in their minds that breaks off in instance. But for a majority of the cases, it doesn't work like that. And it's a daily choice that you have to make based on the word of God, what he says about you. What, you know, your leaders say about you. It's like making a conscious choice to actually believe in those truths. You know, you can um, feel hopeless. You can feel discouraged. You can feel like you've been walking in a season of freedom, but then suddenly you find yourself back in your old ways. And you're so discouraged. Like, that's one of the most discouraging things. I think especially when you come from, like, a mountaintop, like a retreat experience, you know, um, to like a valley and you just feel like oh my gosh what just happened i think everything just you know none of that was real but this is where uh, it's so important for us to remember you gotta fake it till you believe it you know you gotta choose to believe even when you don't feel like it you gotta choose to believe when everything inside of you is is resisting and you're like no that's not true you still gotta choose to believe and you know like earlier i was talking about gideon and you know i said Yeah, I could have chosen any other character, but Gideon is the one that really stood out because I can identify with him. I can relate with him the most. And, you know, I, you see me here now, and I'm like, I have this mic in my hands, and I'm like, you know, preaching. Wow, I can't believe I'm preaching. But, you know, like, I'm preaching the word of God, and, like, you know, I seem, like, so confident. And, you know, for those of you who do know me, you guys think I'm, like, crazy, and, like, I'm always, like, hyper and, like, so joyful and all that. And, yeah, it's true. Um, but... The, you know, I wasn't always like this. Like, even if you talk to, like, um, some of the OG staff who've been around for a while, like, even Eunice has known me, like, a couple years now. Man, like, I was such a different person, even a couple years ago. Like, I came in, I was mad insecure. Like, if there was, like, a definition of insecurity, that was me. 
Like, I was, like, this walking blob of, like, insecurity, and I thought I could never get out of it. Like, and my story is one of, like, depression. I was so heavily depressed um, all throughout high school and even throughout college. I was so depressed, and, uh, you know, it was mainly coming from really low self-esteem. It was coming from, you know, just self-hatred. It was coming from loneliness because I wasn't able to open up my heart to anybody. Um, yeah, and... Man, I, I honestly believe that that was just like that was just like life. That's just you know how it was always gonna be, and even when I um, actually came to Korea and I you know I became a leader at our church and I was serving here at Emmaus, you know, you know serving to like set the college students free, but I was like still struggling so much myself. You know, like I and I actually came under um, the discipleship of um, Pastor Aaron, who is the executive director or, or yeah executive director of Emmaus. And, um, man, it was only then, it was only a couple years ago that I was being established in my identity in Christ. And, you know, I, I, I knew Jesus. I actually um, got, I think, resaved in college because I grew up in church, but, um, you know, like, I didn't really know the gospel even. I grew up in church, you know, uh, I grew up in the Philippines. Um, I went to this church, and, yeah, woohoo. Um, <laughs> but I didn't really know um, about grace. I didn't know about this stuff until college. And in college is really where... The gospel came to life, and I was like, wow, grace is real. I don't have to work so hard to, to earn God's love for me. All that happens. But, but even then, like, uh, up until like, I came to Korea, I didn't really know my identity. I didn't really know like, who I was. Like, um, I wasn't really sure who God said I was. And it was only when I came here. And, you know, I went through healing and deliverance. I know some of you are, have been going through that or are going to this weekend. Um, but... Man, I didn't realize that I was believing in so many lies for all these years. And uh, honestly, it was really hard and it was odd. It was weird because all of a sudden, like, these lies are being identified. And, you know, my, my leaders are breaking these lies off of me in the name of Jesus. Um, and, like, these truths are being presented to me. And this is, like, the truth. This is what God says about me. This is how he sees me. But it was so hard to believe. It was so foreign. And I was like, really? Like, I am God's treasured possession? Like, really? Uh, God satisfies me? Oh, really? Um, God calls me mighty warrior? Like, all of these things were so foreign. And, but I had to, over these last couple years, like, I've had to choose to believe these truths. And honestly, man, yeah, of course I failed many times. And many times, like, I would be back in that place of despair and crying and, you know, and then I would, like, go to, you know, PE and she would be like, well, you know, Jehi, you know, then, then, then she would like pray those things again and she would establish me in truth again. And not just her, but even like the staff, those around me. Um, and actually the, the title of this message, because I got to give credit where credit is due, right? I wish I could say I came up with this awesome title, but actually it was uh, my good friend Tina Lee. And uh, it came at one of our um, like kind of like, you know, counseling sessions. So she was actually um, my leader over the last like two or three years at Yonsei University. And she was the campus director there. And, you know, she's my good friend, but also like I really honored her as my leader. And so when I was having issues, I'd go to her. And I remember, I remember like one time in particular, it was after um, a retreat. And I just felt like so jacked up in my head. And I felt like, oh man, like I, I'm like, am I in a funk? Like I, all of a sudden I feel like I don't know who I am. And, um, I just, I just felt so lost. And so I just went to her, and I was like, man, Tina, like, this is how I feel, like, this blah, 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 blah. And honestly, I thought she was going to be like, oh, snap, Jehi, I think you're in some serious trouble. I think you need to, like, you know, set some time off, and, you know, you should, 
yeah, I, I think I think you know you need some some time away. And honestly, I thought that's what she was gonna say, but she actually said quite the opposite. I was so shocked. She always does that, by the way. She was like, she's like, Jehi, it sounds like you're just establishing yourself as this person of issues. And I was like, huh? I was like, wow, that's completely not what I expected, you know. And and by the way, God is so full of grace. You know, when we mess up, like God is never like, oh, not again. Like, like, you know, like he doesn't do that. We're like that, I think, even to ourselves. We can be our own worst critics sometimes, but God is not like that. And he manifests himself, his grace, his love through people to those he places around you. And when she said that, I was like, wow. And I was like, and I was actually saying to Tina, I was like, Tina, I feel like this whole time I was just faking it to make it. And then she was like, no, you were actually faking it to believe it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I was just so set free. I was so set free. Like, hallelujah, you know? And I really believe that that's the message that God has for each and every one of you guys here today. Because most of you, most of you have, do know who God is. Most of you, you know, do believe that he exists. But it's like behind closed doors, sometimes, man, what do we really believe? Do we really believe what God says about us? Do I really believe that God sees me the way that he says he does? Do I really believe that he set me free? I just want you guys to close your eyes.